the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. The world is supposedly in the middle of an artificial intelligence and machine learning revolution. Not that you'd necessarily know that from looking at the shipping industry, of course. While there's been some interesting projects, and you will find AI liberally peppered across marketing documents, the reality is that we are barely scratching the surface of what's possible with some imaginative application of technology. We've seen a lot of enthusiasm, and for those able to sit through the futurists' forecasts of the art of the possible, there's a lot to look forward to. But as with the rest of the digitization revolution, we're currently at a more practical and pragmatic phase of development where we're talking about cost and data quality and systems and, of course, complexity. So this week, we're looking at whether the AI revolution really is changing shipping and why the answer to that question is less a story about technology and more a revealing snapshot about the mentality and willingness of the industry to engage in real change. It's about how the industry is slowly but surely dividing into a tiered economy of haves and have-nots. It's an interesting topic that touches on many aspects of the industry, so I've pulled in quite a few experts for this week's edition. And I started by talking to Nick Chubb, founder of Theseus, the marine innovation consultancy. Nick's team recently produced a very interesting report, which I would highly recommend reading, that basically concludes that the early digital decarbonisation adopters are already reaping the benefits of cutting ship emissions by 18% or more. Now, we're going to talk specifically about the efficiency applications of AI in a moment, but as Nick points out, AI is about much more than just route optimization for shipping. It, it's a, almost a bit of an unhelpful catch-all term, um, AI, because we, what we're really talking about is a uh, a set of technologies um, that will transform how computing operates in the next 10 to 15 years. And that sounds quite heavy on on rhetoric um uh, but but i do believe that's true for the vast majority of us um we won't even be aware of it you know it, it will sort of operate in the background and that's already starting to to happen um where i think it gets interesting in shipping looking at efficiency as as one area but also looking at kind of the efficiencies of how vessels are actually managed uh, for example um how the condition of equipment on board is monitored Anywhere where you're generating data and you want to spot patterns is an area where AI can support. So there's there's actually you know a really really wide range of um, uh, potential opportunities to deploy the the, the tech um, across the fleet beyond just looking at the kind of ten mile efficiency of, um, of of vessels. So as Nick says, it's not a singular technology we're talking about here. And before we can start to understand the implications for shipping, it helps to take a step back and have a think about what AI actually does. And that's essentially taking vast, vast data sets and reading them extremely quickly, finding patterns that perhaps we as humans would always struggle to. That's where AI really thrives. Now, it's important because in terms of the prerequisites for using AI, the foundation is actually having the right data in place. Now, for shipping, that's a bit of an issue in itself. For the last decade or so, the industry's been on a bit of a journey, shall we say. Big data was the buzzword for a while, and now we're moving on to AI, which has to sit on a foundation of having the right data structures in place. That's in order to access the large volume of high-quality data we assume we have in the first place. So if you don't have that, if you can't do that, there's not much point in even looking at AI. And then there's the bit in the middle, the algorithms. 
This is what will take the data and assess it and come up with recommendations. The second thing that you need to think about, and that's hugely important, is some sort of mechanism to actually deploy those recommendations in the real world. So you have to be able to close that loop. It's all well and good deploying an algorithm on top of a huge amount of AIS data and trying to find some kind of efficiency. But if you've got no way of passing that efficiency down to the vessel, to the ship's master, and then getting feedback from the changes and passing that back to the algorithm, well, then you may as well not bother. So before we even think about the complexities of the technology itself, we need to think more widely about how the industry and companies are set up. I think the, the big challenge that we as an industry have uh, and that what we really need to get better at actually comes down to um, system design. So I, I agree, you know, I think there are issues of skills, there are issues of mindset. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but also so much maritime software to date is just badly designed and difficult to use. Um, and that means that whatever benefits you may get out of it, whatever, you know, whatever amazing things are happening on the back end, whether it's driven by AI or some other wonderful technology, it just doesn't translate to the front end. It doesn't translate to the real world because people don't like using the, the software. You know, all of the software that we use in our day-to-day -day lives uh, we're all that we're all addicted to, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all those sorts of things. It's just very, very cleverly designed to make you engage and change your behaviors. And in fact, all of those businesses are built on changing our behaviors because they run a, an advertising model. If we weren't buying stuff based on the adverts, we wouldn't. Um, uh, they wouldn't make any money and they make a huge amount of money. And it all comes down to good design. And I think that's where the industry today really falls down is in a, a, a real lack of a design focus when it comes to developing technology, whether it's going to go on the ships or in the fleet operations center or somewhere else in the maritime supply chain. We really need to get better at that if we want to see this stuff uh, implemented usefully in the real world. So it's more than overcoming a few technical hurdles then, but why is it that AI is sucking up so many resources and what is it that's driving so much research and investment given the known hurdles? Deanna McDonald is the brain behind several blockchain startups within shipping, including Bunker Trace, and of course she's a regular podcast guest when it comes to digitalization stories. So I asked her where she saw the shipping industry right now in terms of what AI could potentially deliver versus what is actually happening. I think when it comes to, you know, to AI, to kind of the methods that underline AI, the mathematical computational problems that are trying to be solved, it is nothing new to be applying it in the port logistic and logistics sectors. So, you know, challenges around port planning have always been the crux of the mathematical problems at the heart of AI that, that researchers have been trying to solve since, you know, the inception of this field. Um, what is changing and what can um, essentially create the big, you know, revolutionary applications is the computational power that we are now seeing increase um, at levels that we didn't have before, at rates that we didn't see before, and also the access to data. So, you know, these these optimization algorithms and the math uh, methods and, and problems that are underlying have always been there. Um, and actually, incidentally, shipping has been at the center of, at least from a research perspective, the problems that AI has been trying to solve for since the beginning. So it's quite unique in that sense that logistics is is really a field that, you know, this has been applied to since the beginning, mm. I think. 
what's starting to, what could change and what's starting to, to really change in the sector in particular is the amount of data that we are now seeing come in. Um, or at least if there is a lot of data um, that can be analyzed, these, you know, these methods can be applied more um, rigorously to, to this sector and to be leveraged and, and kind of, you know, revolutionize a lot of things from port and logistics planning to predictive maintenance to, you know, opt route optimization, which we're seeing to, you know, you know, myriad of different applications. And what really comes down to, you know, the key factor of this innovation or of, of AI becoming a revolutionary um, element of shipping is simply put, whether or not data is being shared, it's accessible, whether or not there are, you know, sensors being deployed to gather that data in the first place. And I think there's a fine balance, especially in the shipping sector, this is not new, but there's a fine balance that companies often try to strike between keeping their data private for competitive purposes and, you know, through sharing it for the benefit of logistics planning, which requires everybody's data, everybody's scheduling to be, to be included in the optimization, you know, mm. problem structure. And I think until that happens, we don't have real changes in, in AI applications. One of the key issues with the adoption of AI in shipping is in convincing shipping companies that what they're investing in is going to deliver results. And it's not as easy as pointing management to a new paint coating or a duct or any number of tangible improvements to the ship itself. One of the interesting things about the way AI is being deployed is that you can have two identical ships and the application of data can drastically alter their performance. Add one of those ships into an AI pool, and over time, the difference will grow significantly. But explaining the details of how this all works to a shipping management team with more of a traditional engineering mindset, well, that's half the battle. Elena Prekopova, Director of Digital Innovation at Lloyd's Register, has had many such conversations. I have met uh, many, many uh, CEOs, many MDs with uh, engineering background, and it's not very, it's not straightforward. So, from my experience, it really takes time to work with them. So it doesn't really take one meeting to say, okay, you know, here is the solution. This is what it will do for you. Here is the ROI, because it's really difficult, I think, for them to visualize what is the end result. It's something they have not seen, they haven't tried, it's new. Can we trust these algorithms? How do you know? Like even, you know, it's minimum uh, accuracy levels are 75%. How can they actually trust it? So I think it's really about building trust with, uh, with um, uh, engineers. Um, and then really it takes time and then plenty of meetings with them, plus referrals, you know, case studies and and I think what helps as well, from my experience, if they can speak uh, to their counterparts, counterparts that actually adopted these solutions. So it does really help. They are not like, you know, it's not so many of them, um, especially, you know, like these sort of um, engineer type backgrounds that they will say, yes, you know, we love it. And then we are going to like adopt this solution uh, in a week time or whatever that looks like. So all you need is really to, to, to work with them, build that trust, and then let them speak to their counterparts uh, to get actually a good result. So we've talked a lot about the barriers and the problems, but what about the end goal? Clearly, AI is already with us. 
And when it comes to shipping efficiency, there are real tangible success stories out there to be told. For all the focus on future fuels and, let's face it, decisions about infrastructure and carbon pricing that the shipping industry has very little agency on deciding its own fate over, digitally driven optimization is the only tool that we have to improve carbon intensity that's available today and can be quickly scaled to every ship. Greek vessel optimization pioneer Roberto Kustas is advising owners on exactly that, on how to act on artificial intelligence to drive vessel optimization and lock in fuel savings. That's his business. He's the co-founder of Deep Sea Technologies and son of Danaus Corp. Supremo, John Kustas. So he understands shipping intrinsically. He's expanding the company's operations to try and leverage what he believes is a pretty unique approach to using AI to serve efficiency within shipping. But I asked him whether he thought that AI was genuinely changing the industry wholesale or whether we're just simply seeing another round of marketing and greenwashing underway here. So I believe that we have seen the first wave of enthusiasm uh, primarily coming from investments from uh, companies like Wartzilla and also from venture capital funds investing heavily into, into the shipping space. And there has been a lot of hype about the capabilities of AI. Now, as you said, now going from the marketing sort of theoretical uh, applicability to this actually having a tangible impact in shipping and revolutionizing the way that things are, how things are being done, um, th there are some obstacles that can hinder that development, which are, as you said, data quality is a very big one because no matter how good the technology is, if the data quality is not sufficiently accurate, then there is no way to be able to extract value and value from that data to be able to use that information to make better decisions. Um, and also, it has been the case that the technology wasn't available. So to answer your question, I'd say that AI has started just I mean, I mean the past year or two has started changing shipping, but it's still at a very, very early phase where still many large organizations and companies are assessing the actual value to be obtained from AI and trying to calculate the returns of an, on an investment on such a technology. And as soon as this has been proven, and I mean, as soon as this return on investment has been validated by some large organizations that have credibility in the market, we won't see uh, a rapid spontaneous growth, which is exactly the reason why as well as deep sea, we are really trying to calculate the exact savings that our clients can have, because only then it will be the case where technology moves really slowly, its adoption rate is really slow until people realize, oh, this actually does work. This actually does provide savings. There is a window of opportunity for us to mm. uh, be ahead of the competition of 12, 24, 36 months, and therefore I believe we will see a very rapid uh, adoption. So rapid adoption looms, but even the most optimistic digital evangelist will concede that not everyone in shipping is set up to engage with AI. If we look at the wider question of how AI is changing shipping, it's not simply a question of technology. It's about the mentality and the willingness of certain sections of the industry to engage with this as a process. And I don't think it's necessarily all about a small band of early adopters. 
There is a tiered industry emerging. You can see it with decarbonisation and ESG standards. You can certainly see it with technology and digitalization, but you can also see it across so many other aspects of how shipping is playing out. As ever, we can divide the industry into the good, the compliant and the ugly. We have the forward-looking progressive section of the industry, the global maritime forum set, shall we say. Then we have the fragmented middle that are compliant, trying their best. They're the followers, the second-tier adopters. And then, of course, you have the uglier end at the bottom, for whom AI is merely another line on a long list of issues that will never really bother their daily list of concerns, keeping them awake at night. As Roberto says, technology changes slowly at first and then very, very rapidly. So timing of these changes matters. The pace at which these applications are differentiating between the haves and the have-nots is only going to accelerate, and the gulf between those two types of shipping companies are going to have a profound difference to the way the industry ultimately works. Yes, so I do believe that the early adopters in, in this case are going to reap the benefits because shipping is not an industry where there are tremendous changes <clears throat> or value propositions of one, for instance, dry cargo operator versus another. They are all working with the same base, with the same sort of vessels. There isn't a massive difference, and there are very few things that can be done to influence, to a small extent, uh, the, the cash flow and to improve the operational um, capacity or excellence of one company versus another. Technology is is one of them. And the thing with technology is that it, as I mean with anything, but no opportunity is very long-standing and the ones who will reap the benefit are the ones who will jump in first until this becomes normalized because when this does become normalized and i'm sure it will i don't know if it will be in three years time or in five years time or in eight years time but once it does become normalized having an ai routing solution will be something that everyone will just have in the same way that everyone has ais and gps now i mean you won't be able to operate really without it because you'll just be losing money. Mm. If you don't, you will be working at a disadvantage in the same way that there are no, I mean, cargo companies that I'm aware of. I mean, there, it is circling back that are using sales. Since the internal combustion engine was invented, many people did still use sales, but after a certain point, they couldn't, they just couldn't compete with, with, this new technology that revolutionized the way that shipping worked. And I, I do believe it's the same, of course, to a smaller extent uh, with AI and how it routes ships that we are going to see vessels in the future being routed, mm -hmm. you know, in, increasing with the, um, with the aid of technology. And if you, let's say, don't um, adopt this, you will be just for the same, this and same cargo traveled, be paying more money for bunkers. So it will be very hard to, to remain competitive. And and yes, and I, I do also believe, like you mentioned, that we are seeing a tiered sort of industry and in the mentality of companies. So we have also seen by interfacing now at Deep Sea with companies in, in Greece, in Norway, in Japan, in Korea, we have seen very, very different approaches to technology and to the way that they want to form their strategy in terms of complying with the CII, some companies are very uh, have a, an, an agenda in mind and a strategy placed that has root and AI routing specifically part of their 
decarbonization strategy and others that haven't really thought about it um, and, and focus more on the day-to-day challenges that they face due to the difficult market conditions. But I mean, shipping, as in many types of businesses, it is essential to look at the day-to-day difficulties, but at the same time, you have to be able to look at the long-term uh, strategy of, of the company. This is clearly a topic where we could spend many episodes going down rabbit holes, and no doubt we will be delving further into the implications down the line. For now, though, that's where we're going to leave it this week. A huge thank you to all my guests who patiently gave me several hours of explanation around this topic. I promise the detail will not go to waste, and Lloyd's List subscribers will be reaping the benefit over coming weeks. Thank you also to everyone listening. As ever, I would love to hear from you with ideas, questions, and constructive criticism. Get in touch via richard.mead at informer.com or you can find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter via the handle Lloyd's List Ed. Thanks for listening and have a good week.